first is a question that was actually asked many weeks ago, got lost in the system and it's popped back up to the surface, but still worth asking. If Peter baptised the Samaritan believers in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, would they still have needed John to baptise in the Holy Spirit? Well, it's actually, it was not Peter, it was Simon who baptised the Samaritans. Remember, there was a big persecution in Jerusalem and they left Jerusalem and they ended up in Samaria. And over in Samaria, which is the place that you, you didn't have anything to do with if you were a Jew, but they went up there, the gospel went there, they talked about Jesus and people became followers of Jesus. And at that point, after they baptised them in Jesus' name, then Peter and John had to come down from Jerusalem and then baptize, and then the Holy Spirit came down. It's like, what on earth is happening there? And the question sort of asks, if they had a baptised using different words, would it have made a difference? I don't think it would have made a difference because here and throughout all of Acts, we are seeing a very special time in history. I've mentioned this to you before many times, I'll say it again, and that is that what is happening in the book of Acts is a one-off and we can learn things from it for today but we mustn't expect everything that happened then to happen today. In the same way, we can't expect that Jesus is going to die and rise from the dead all the time. They were one-off events. So too was the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But there was also another sort of two mini Pentecosts that I've mentioned to you. There was a, a Pentecost that came out when it went the next level out to Samaria, and then another one when it went out to all the ends of the earth. And the, the Gentiles were there, and there was a, what appeared to be another one of these Holy Spirit coming down moments. Uh, that's not a kind of thing that happens all the time for Christians. It's, they were special events in history in that way. You receive the Holy Spirit the moment that you receive Christ, as did I and as do you, as, as, as all Christians do when we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus. Question two, was Peter afraid of the angel when he was released from prison. Well, this is from our story when we last left it a month ago. Uh, Peter was there chained up in prison, chained to two guards, and then there were two other guards guarding the area so that there would be absolutely no way that he'd get out of there before he got a trial before the Jews, which was almost certainly going to end up the same way that Jesus' trial ended up, namely in, in death. Peter would have gone to sleep expecting to wake up for the last time. But instead he was woken up by the angel who then released him, told him get up and he walked out and he was out in the street and the angel left him. He thought, whoa, was he afraid of that angel? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. We're not told. We can guess what he might be feeling, whether it's elation, excitement, fear, trembling. I think a whole lot of things there. But we're not told that he was afraid. But nonetheless, he would have been in awe, I would, I would sure, I'd be sure of. Now, here are a couple of questions now about heaven and judgment and what happens between when you die as a Christian and when there's judgment day and all that sort of stuff. Let me start by saying the Bible tells us everything we need to know about these things, but doesn't tell us everything there is to know about these things. We have little blanks and gaps here and there because we don't need to know it. But we're still fascinated about it. So here are a few questions. I'll have a go at answering them the best I can, and we'll see where we go. Question three is, are people in heaven whilst they await Judgment Day? And if not, why do people say people are looking down on you from heaven? Well, the idea of looking down on you from heaven and so on is not a biblical idea. Uh, if when I die... 
I am going to a place where there will be no more tears and sadness and suffering, I can tell you for sure that I don't want to be looking down on the earth and seeing what's happening down there when my kids are there and my and the world's going to a mess. Because I'll be up in heaven saying, this is horrible here. I'm seeing all this terrible stuff in earth. So don't, I mean, it's a nice little theory. It's a comforting thing. Oh, she's up there with me in heaven looking down on me. That, that's not a biblical idea. But are people in heaven whilst they await judgment day? Because we're told in the Bible that there will be a time in the future when the dead will rise and join with those who are in Christ and uh, who are alive and will be raised up and judged. That's a future thing. All people will be judged. So what happens to my grandmother who died a few years ago as a keen Christian? Where is she now before that moment? This is the sort of the, the question that buzzes around for us. Uh, is she in heaven or what is she? Where is she? All those sorts of things. Well, the Bible makes it clear that uh, if you that when you die, you are with Christ. And we know that when Jesus was there with the thief on the cross, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. So there's certainly the with me bit with Jesus and the in paradise bit. And I reckon that he's having a party. It's great for him. So is he therefore in heaven or is there a is heaven sort of the fully experienced thing after the final judgment when we go yes Jesus has finally judged the earth and that's what we've been looking forward to we know that Jesus is in heaven and if we're with Christ we're with him in heaven when we die all that sort of stuff in terms of the timing is it called paradise is it called heaven all those sorts of things um, there's just enough uncertainty about names but certainty about where we're going and what it's going to be like. Question four, is Jesus in paradise now? And if so, will we see him straight away when we die? Well, what did he say to the thief on the cross? Today you will be with me in paradise. I think that sort of answers the question in the sense that he, he is with those who are in paradise and we will see him straight away when we die. And question five on the same topic, is paradise before judgment or will we be with the Father and the Son before judgment? Yes, I, I think we are in paradise before judgment. And then whether we call heaven paradise or paradise heaven or whatever, it, it, when you die with a relationship with Jesus, it's going to be awesome. And what's more, you'll be waiting for that final judgment day and you're knowing that when that comes, you are going to win. It's going to be awesome. Uh, my, my best little illustration at the moment is kind of when you're watching the grand final and there's six minutes to go and your team uh, is in an unlosable position. It's got 50 points ahead or 20 goals or whatever it is and you know you cannot lose and you're sitting there waiting and you're so excited and there's that cheering that's rousing up around the crowds and everyone who is playing on the on the field is already high-fiving each other even though there's six minutes to go. Uh, that's what it's like for us once we have died in Christ waiting for that judgment day. Question six. Bit of a change of tack. Uh, is Greta Thunberg's motivation to show more care for God's creation or to rebuke us for not properly controlling the climate. Now, Greta Thunberg, she is the young lady, the 16-year-old, who somewhat passionately addressed the United Nations about a month ago, and I wrote a little news article about her on the news sheet a few weeks ago. This person asked a few weeks ago, was she so fired up because she wants us to take more care for the earth 
or because she wants to rebuke us for not properly controlling the climate. Well, we can only work out what she thinks by what she says. Uh, it seems to me her big point is that she wants all of the leaders of the world to uh, to announce and declare a climate emergency and then to act as though it is actually a climate emergency and put all the resources into that. I think that's what she's wanting to do. I don't know if she's necessarily concerned about the place of creation and God and so on, but that was what I said. Because we as Christians do have some information about how we are to treat the environment, and that is that God has said that I have made you humans to be rulers of the earth under me. And we are not to come here and trash the place. We are actually here to care for the earth. But caring for the environment is not the number one thing we need to do. The number one thing is to see that people know Christ. The most important thing we can do is to point to King Jesus. But at the same time, under King Jesus, we have a responsibility to care for the earth and not just think who cares. Finally, question seven, how do you tell the difference between persecution and abuse from idiots? <laughs> well, I think persecution should be understood as an attack on a person because of their religious beliefs. Uh, so if a Christian person is telling a friend at work about Jesus and then they get mistreated because of it, then that's persecution. That's pretty simple, I think. Uh, if a person who is a Christian gets abused just because someone else doesn't like them, then it may not necessarily be persecution. It might just be that they're being really mean, uh, bullying or whatever it is. Uh, but the reason they're being picked on may well be because they are a Christian. It could be that they're being bullied because of their faith, so to speak. And they haven't done, don't really say much as a Christian, but they, this person just doesn't like them because they're a Christian. So that would seem to be persecution in, in, that, in that situation. Uh, but it, you can't always tell. Uh, many years ago, Mandy and I lived in a house that was owned by the church we were working for, and next door to us was a particularly unpleasant neighbour and didn't really like what we were doing, having groups back to our house as I was an assistant minister and all of that stuff. And it got really tricky. It was unpleasant. And eventually the church had to sell the house because it just got too hard. Uh, now, was that guy acting that way to us because we were Christians doing Christian ministry? Or was he just a grumpy old man who didn't like neighbours? Uh, I can't know for sure. But nonetheless, what he was doing was trying to undermine the Christian ministry that we were running out of the house. So you can see that it's sometimes difficult to know which one is which. But... Regardless of their motive, Jesus is clear. He says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And so whether they are persecuting you or being just being an enemy to you, we are to love them and pray for them. And I figure that if somebody, if one of my neighbours is picking on me or something like that, I'm going to pray extra hard for them and pray that there will be a time when they'll be joining us at church and say, ah, you know, oh, yes, we laugh about the old days when we used to come and throw eggs at your car or whatever it is. And hopefully that there is a, a turning point there because of the work of the Spirit in their life. Now, these are good questions, aren't they? Thank you for them all. And uh, we have more to come next week, I can guarantee you.